Hello and welcome to Six Questions for the CMO brought to you by Brandwatch. My name's Martin Kelly and I'll be your host. This week we're joined by Joe SDP. Joe has an eclectic career, including uh, working for LinkedIn and now lecturing um, at several business schools. You will get so much out of this uh, podcast. Joe taps into his experience globally and really gives some wonderful, valuable insights that I'm sure you So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast and let's get it going. So, first question give us a bio, a little bit about yourself, and probably more importantly, where do you get your information from? Very, very good question. So a little bit about me. I am currently teaching at five different business schools. Um, I run three different businesses and I am the CEO and chief editor at Esco Media, which primarily focuses on B2B marketing. I'm also the host of the B2B Marketing Asia podcast. So it's it's nice to be on the other side of usually where you're sitting. Yeah. So it's nice to be on their side this time. Great. And where do you get your information from? Like, do you, is there any specific podcasts? So you've already mentioned yours, and I'm happy if you give it another plug, but is there other places other place you listen to? Is there blogs? Is there, you know, is there something else that you, where do you get your information from, especially your marketing information? Uh, that's a very good question. So online, I spend probably too much time on LinkedIn. I used to work at LinkedIn, and I obviously love the platform. And most of the folks that I interact with are on there sharing their different content ideas. But to be honest, I get a lot of my best ideas now just from speaking to people one-on-one. So whether it's on a podcast like this or catching up for a meeting, I can really ask deep questions because I feel like a lot of the times on online, some of the stuff is surface level. You want to ask the follow-up questions, but it's really tough. So if I see someone who inspires me, what I'll do is I will connect with them on LinkedIn and I'll say, hey, I'd love to find out more about your your post on blank. That could be through a podcast or it could through be through a meeting. And that's how I go deeper in, into my marketing insights. Do you know what? I, I love that. And it's also that it's that deeper level of just putting yourself out there, like, you know, sending a message. So the, I think it was the second person, Natalie, we did the, the podcast with. Natalie presented at a conference, blew me away. Was totally, you know, when you're like, she's thinking 12 steps ahead of me at, at super speed, but also made total sense. Found her on LinkedIn, sent her a note saying, any chance I could get 15 minutes of your time? She offered me 15 minutes and I think I was there for an hour. And it was wonderful. We've kept in touch and it's having the, I don't know if it's goals, the right term. I don't know what the term is, but gumption or whatever. To just put yourself out there. Now, I'll be honest, nine out of 10 people are going to go, do have time. Or, yeah, well, we'll catch up next time, next time. But once in a while, you'll get that good person that just offers you good advice. But also, you can pick the brain and it is that. It's not the 15-second soundbite. It's a 20-minute conversation that blows your mind and you go, I never thought of it that way. So me, totally, totally agree with, with all of that. So we've done the first question. Let's go on to the second. Biggest marketing success and what do you learn from it? So very good question. I, I think because I'm an old man now, a lot of the ways in which I evaluate success is looking at it through my clients or my students' point of view. So my philosophy when it comes to the business is my goal is to get my clients promoted. If I can do that, then that is successful for me because I want them moving up the corporate ladder because I honestly love all the clients we're working with. And at the same time, for we do a lot of training as well for you know corporates and universities 
if a student can come to me, you know, two years, three years down the road and say, hey, what you taught me really changed the way I think about marketing and sales and it's helped me tremendously. So I just got a message like that. I, one of our first trainings I did about five years ago, um, someone pinged me on LinkedIn. He said, the advice you gave me was the best sales advice I've ever gotten in my career. And I was like, wow, okay. So that for me is a testament to what I call success is looking at it from my clients, my students, their success. And then that's a good evaluator for me. Oh, that's cool. And um, look, there's a couple of people in, in my career that have offered that advice and it stuck with me. There's, you know, the boss that was don't be afraid to fail. You know, there's a boss that let's, let's push the envelope, even just simply, you know, you do a webinar. I want the follow-up email out within 24 hours. In fact, he really wanted out within three hours, but you know, and it sounds really simple, but just do that. You know, the Natalie advice, you know, about don't be afraid to change industries to train, to train focused, you know, like that is all wonderful. So yeah, I, to I totally agree with that. So now I say it every single time, I'm going to say it again. I'm not sure. I don't really agree with the term failure, but when we've got yin, we've got yang, I need to ask then biggest market and failure and what did you learn from it? So I have failed more times than I can count. So I mean, I've been laid off multiple times. And each of those gave me a different insight into how I could do things differently. So I think a lot of times when you get laid off, and I'm, I knew a lot of folks at tech are in this situation, you may feel like, oh, it's, it's all me. But if I look back and I, I realize, look, maybe I wasn't in the right position. Maybe I wasn't in the right industry. So that was just a way of the world saying, hey, look, move into something different. And that actually happened to me before I started my business. I got laid off. Um, I had a two-year-old and I had a newborn. And I thought to myself and I said, look, I can go back to another marketing role doing the same in-house stuff that I've been doing. But I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I said, okay, how can I finally push myself over the cliff and create a marketing and sales kind of consultancy and training company that I would want to do? So I'm not beholden to someone else like you said, giving me advice and guiding me. I'm old enough now where I want to try. If I fail, okay, so be it. But I think if I didn't get laid off, I probably would have stayed in that company forever. I'd probably still be there. And I, I definitely wouldn't have grown as much personally and definitely learned as much professionally as if I you know, took that leap after getting laid off to start the company. I, I so agree. So I've been laid off a couple of times. And I look back and I remember... When it, when it first happened, I got a couple of text messages from friends saying, you will look back on this as the best thing that's ever happened, right? And there was there was one rule, and, and I left there. I just had been there too long, you know, and I was stale. And I now look back and go, I was so stale there. And there was another rule where I had grown the rule. I came in, I'd set it up, I'd done everything. And I remember literally going, they don't need me, they need somebody with half the experience of me to come in and do it. Like it's, it's set up, it's running nicely and all it needs is tweaks. And there is that. Now, I think there's that that mindset of it's you're, you're both, like, I think maybe as you get older, you're both in a, a relationship and there is ones where you go, listen guys, it's not for me anymore. And at times they'll go, it's not for you. I think probably the biggest thing I've learned through my, my career is that you be as loyal as you can to a business, but in reality, you're also a number. And there'll be a guy, and I always, it's funny, I always quote Wisconsin, and I, I've never been in Wisconsin, I know nothing about it, but there'll be a guy in Wisconsin with a spreadsheet, and at some point go, 
you're too expensive or you're too this or you're too that and this that you know um so you be loyal to yourself and your your family and even your career but yeah i think it is that it's okay and it's all right to to change jobs and it's okay to have a crack at one and go and that wasn't for me so yeah cool um next question then what's the next big thing in marketing uh so that's a very good question i get this quite a lot and you know the easy answer is to say ai because you know with the advent of chat gdp i think everyone is using it i I use it within my company i i teach people how to use it and other ai different tools so i think that that is going to be an enabler to doing things more efficient but I'll give you a kind of a counterintuitive approach as well, too, because it's going to be so easy to create content and, and do marketing with AI. I think you're going to see a lot of the same sameness, particularly in B2B marketing, where people are already doing the same stuff already. They're just going to be copying and pasting it, whether in their cold email outreach or their LinkedIn posts. They're just going to use it as a crutch. And I was having to have this conversation with some of my clients who are you know, CMOs and VPs of marketing, and they're saying, look, if I see that, if I see a cold email coming from multiple parties and it's a very similar text, I know there's probably ChatGDP or some kind of AI tool that created it, and I'm going to block them both. So I think there, there, therein lies the danger of AI. And what one of my students was telling me recently is that's where, I'm not a huge fan of this word, but authenticity really has to come through, really injecting your own personality. Because that's something that AI currently isn't able to do is to inject a little bit of your for example, my dad jokes or my humor into it. It's, it hasn't done that yet. So I think as AI becomes more prevalent, um, you know, have to inject your own personality. And it also means that people are craving the offline interaction more. So we've seen that because people, you know, obviously COVID, you know, Zoom fatigue and all that stuff. What we found a lot now is people organizing, you know, small gatherings. So not so much the big conferences and things like that, but but more of these like small, intimate, you know, whether it's CMO catches up or whatever that you want to call them, goes back to what we we're talking about. Because now it's so easy to get information off of ChatGDP. All that surface level stuff, you can find out like that. Going back to our first point, you can't really go deep into some of these things or you can't really find out about people's um, you know, failures and the things that didn't work out for them, unless you catch up with them in a smaller group setting or one-on-one. So I feel like that portion of marketing, those smaller intimate gatherings will become more pre- prevalent um, in the next few months. I agree. So I'll, I'll deal with the first, the, the chat uh, GBT thing. I think it's great, but it's a foundation. So it probably stops that, you know, you know, I need an invite done, you know, sitting for three hours writing it, you know? But it I don't think it's a finished article. And I know someday, I heard somebody at one point going, yeah, I just use it and batter it out. And I'm like, it's it's a bit like, you know, when you go in, you wait, years ago when, when we're processing and you go in and use the thesaurus and just change every word to really big words and you'd be going, this doesn't make sense anymore. So that, I know it's making sense, but I don't think you're totally right. And it's, I, I remember years ago um, when I started learning about public speaking, and I did every course, I read every book, and I presented all the time at work. I was one of the few guys that every meeting I put together a PowerPoint, it was all about upskilling. And I, I presented it at one conference, and I got some of the nice advice from a, a guy um, nicknamed Woody, the top bloke, and he said, look, um, Mario, you're doing everything right. I'm brilliant. He went, yeah, guess what? You're not Mario anymore. No, we'll be talking about 
So you're not hardy anymore. You're up there. You're almost robotic. You went, if I had a, a matrix, you would tick every single box. I said, right, you went, so you know what you now do? Relax. You've got it. And put your personality. Be prepared. Like, be, it's okay for you to lean on the lectern. Because I used to, you know, I'll be honest, grip the lectern on my kale because that's what I'd been taught, right? And he's like, it's all right to slow down a little bit and throw in a gag. And, and it was amazing how he went, you've got it, so don't worry. You know, and it is that, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing. It was that. And then you're totally right about, about smaller gatherings. I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a round table. We were talking about chat with GBT. But it was just this one of, can we just get around and break bread and just chat? Like nothing major. And it's it, going back again to the stuff we talked about at the start, that can we just grab a coffee? Like it doesn't need to be a three course meal where, you know, something's flown in, the salmon's flown in from Canada or from Scotland. It's literally, can we grab a coffee at just a local coffee shop and I pick your brain for 10 minutes? So yes, yes. Um, so then next question, what advice would you give the 21 year old marketer? Uh, that's a great question. So one book that I always tell my students, because they always ask me the same thing and I have it. I always have it right next to me is the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People yep. uh, by Dale Carnegie. The name might seem a bit wonky or a bit outdated, but I, it's the only book that I've read. You could see how beat up it is. Yep. I've read it probably about 30 times. And the reason it's become so powerful and why people say they always remember it from my trainings is that a lot of the tactics in marketing become outdated. So the channels may be outdated. And this is something I learned when I, I wrote my first book is I thought, okay, a lot of this stuff is going to be relevant, you know, five, 10 years down the road. Now, if I look at it, I cringe because a lot of this stuff is completely outdated in terms of tactics and channels and so on. But one thing I realized that never changes, doesn't matter, you know, what the tactic, what the channel is, is the mindset. So really stopping and asking the question before you post anything, before you think of any campaign, what's in it for them? What's in it for your audience? What are they going to take away from what you're doing? How are they going to be uh, educated, entertained, or engaged? And a lot of times we forget about that as marketers. And we just pump stuff out because we have our own KPIs and we have our own deadlines. And then you see, once again, the same stuff over and over. When no one's really answered that question, what's in it for them? And this is something that I always tell my students. If you've learned one thing from anything I've ever taught you, remember that acronym, W-I-I-F-T. What's in it for them? So that would be my advice to 20-year-olds. No, look, it, it's so real. And it's so, like the amount of times I've seen businesses do the vanity project about, you know, we want to tell you about the latest thing. You're like, no one cares. I feel really no one cares. I work for one company and... This was totally wasn't it for them, the, the ticking the box thing. And it was a global company. They wanted an email out, a survey into Australian educational suppliers in January. And I went back away because it's like that is the peak holiday time, right? Now, there'll be some people there, but they literally, it's the absolute peak holiday time. It's like, nah, we need to do it. We need to do it. I'm like, no one's going to, like, the response rate is going to be terrible. And it was also a really, like, we want the response within three days. And I was like, like, even when people come back, you know, if you've got a thousand emails, I'll last it. And they insisted. And they did it. And, you know, you're fine. 
And we got a few responses. So I knew it was coming, but I called people going, listen, if you haven't to check your emails, can you do it? And the only reason I got to the sort of bottom of why I had the light bulb moment was about a month later, I was at the, the, the company kickoff. And the guy that had pushed it stood up and went, last year I said I would do this, 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 this. And one of the things was do the survey. And that was the only reason he did the survey. He didn't care about the results. And I'm like, guys, we did all this work and it was a waste of time. And it was purely so that you could stand up at a conference and say you'd done it. That was, that was it. That was it. And there's another company I was working for that had to sell stuff. And it was all about getting one sale in specific countries so that they could stand up and go, we sell in 16 different countries. And you're like, the time and effort is spending to do this one sale. It was a vanity project. Very similar to that. It's basically what's in it for the customer. You know, what's in it for them? And if there's nothing in it for them, why are we doing this? And the amount of yeah, surveys we'd like to know. Sorry, I've now actually answered and ranted, but you're, you're totally right. But we are flying through this and it's absolutely brilliant, Joe. So, Joe, final question. What do people not know about you? Tell us something people don't know about you. So that's a very, very good question. I definitely have my private side and I have it, I say a different life than I do now when I was younger. So when I was in China, I actually had the opportunity to host a pilot of a global television show. And I didn't know at the time I was in PR and, you know, my boss said, hey, we're shooting this thing. Can you go and attend it? So I show up and they realize, oh, did you, you know, you have your lines. I was like, what, what do you mean when I have my lines? And they said, well, you're going to be hosting this. You have to remember your lines. I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared at all. So I didn't know which show I was shooting. And then I kept seeing this gentleman on the show wearing a black polo with a logo on it. And I was trying to figure out what, why does he keep wearing the same shirt? Does he not bring anything on the trip or what's going on? And then I realized he did speaking with him, it had the uh, Top Gear logo. And so he was the uh, China editor, and I was going to be the host for the pilot of Top Gear China, which I ended up being with, without knowing. So I think that's something that very few people know about me because that's from a different li life many years ago. Mate, that's, that's brilliant. And that's where you leave. Like, that would be on the top of my LinkedIn. That would be flashing lights. That would, that's brilliant. And yeah. And look, I think people are going to get a lot out of that. So, Joe. Thank you very much. I think everybody's doing a huge amount out of your answers. Thanks for spending the, the time today. And um, yeah. thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Six Questions with a CMO brought to you by Brandwatch. If you'd like to access other episodes of the podcast or gain insights into your brand, go to brandwatch.com slash CMO dash podcast. Thank you.